You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. of the blindness lies not in the past causes, but it lies in the future purposes. Not in the causes, but the purposes. God has an eternal purpose for allowing this man to be born blind. His blindness will allow Jesus to manifest the work of God. God is working out an eternal purpose in all our lives, even in the midst of tragedy. Sometimes I think He works best in the midst of tragedy. God is working on eternal purposes, even in the midst of trial. Sometimes it's easy to question why things happen the way they do. However, as you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he shares with you that God has an eternal purpose. Even in the midst of very difficult and tragic times, God has an eternal purpose at work. Rest in the knowledge that God sees and cares for you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 9, as he begins his message, Who Sinned? John chapter 9, and we're going to look at the first five verses. I'm going to read aloud. If you want to follow along silently, please. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered and said, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed to him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So today we're going to be talking about two different groups. And these groups are evident when you come onto a very serious accident car accident. When you come across a very serious car accident, there are usually two groups that arrive. Two groups. The first group that arrives is usually the police. They come to the scene, they secure the scene, they check for injuries, and then they go about doing what police do so well. And this is not a slam against police officers. I love police officers. I think we should support police officers as often as we can, and they desperately need our prayers. But what they do so well is they investigate. Police investigate various matters. And when they come across the scene of an accident, they begin to investigate it. They start asking questions. They look for witnesses. They measure skid marks. and Their main purpose... Their main purpose is to define what happened and need be place fault. That's what the police do, and they're good at it, and praise God for them. On the other hand, the other group that comes are the EMT's paramedics. They show off. Now, when they get there, they have a different job altogether than the police have. When they get there, they immediately rush to the victims. They immediately start to administer first aid. They they immediately start to care for the victims, those who are injured, by administering this first aid and helping them. So their main job 
is to help those who are hurt. Now, I have found when ministering to people, the same two groups, the same two groups, whether they're going through a tragedy or a disaster or something has happened in their lives, I see these two different groups very clearly. And like the police, some ask questions seeking to find out where they went wrong. Where law did they violate? Why are they suffering in this tragedy that has come upon them? And they want to know these things. These folks try to give reasons for why their life is a mess. And they're so quick to point out their sin and to tell you what they did wrong. And some people, these, sometimes these very people, when they minister to others, minister in the same way. You must have done something wrong. If you didn't do anything wrong, you wouldn't be suffering like this. Well, it's got to be your problem. And they're always looking for fault and placing blame. And then there are others who administer to her, like the paramedics. They're not interesting to why things happen. They could care less why it's happening. They just want you to take away their pain. They just want you to take away their hurt. And in today's verses, I see these two same groups represented by Jesus and his disciples, and you can determine which group is which. If you remember, we've been studying in chapter 8, Jesus is in this very big conflict with the religious leaders. It started in chapter 8 and even before. This conflict that Jesus is in will not end until he goes to the cross by their hand. So this, contract, this conflict that, they're in, that Jesus is in is building and it's getting rougher and rougher. We studied in chapter 8 that in the very temple itself, there was this big conflict. Remember, it started over the woman caught in adultery. They threw her before Jesus' feet and said, she was caught in the act of adultery, and our law says that she shall be stoned. She was caught. You know what Jesus said to them? He was without sin, cast the first stone. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn her. And he asked her when, all they, when they all left, where are your condemners? She said, I don't have any. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So this conflict, and then they started bashing them back and forth. And this conflict got so bad, it got so bad that it ended up with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, calling him names, insulting his heritage and his birthright. And it got to the point where they actually tried to start picking up stones to stone Jesus for the blasphemous statement that he made when he said, before Abraham was, I am. Clearly declaring that he was God. Clearly declaring that he was the eternal one, the great I am. So when they did this, in verse 59 of chapter 8, it says that then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus hides himself. Why? Because his time hadn't come yet. His time hadn't come yet. And we studied that in various places many different times. But what I love about Jesus, and I really do like this about him, it's just one of the many, many things that I just am enamored by, he goes out of his way to create controversy with the, the, the scribes and Pharisees. He goes out of his way to do things that just irk them and make them crazy. He goes out of his way. Once again, if you look down... In John 9 to verse 14, we find out, and now it was the Sabbath. So here we are once again on the Sabbath, 
And Jesus is going to talk to this blind man, which he will heal eventually, but he's going to do it on the Sabbath. And remember, all the way back in chapter 5, it started with Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath, and this drove them nuts. Jesus never backed down from a controversy. Why did he do this? Well, what was his purpose for doing this? Well, I think that he did this so more truth about himself could come out. He did this so that they would realize more truth about who he is and that their unbelief would be blatant. Their unbelief would come out. And I also think that he did this for us so that we could be warned. We could be warned when we see the examples of the hardness of heart of these Pharisees, when we see their prejudicial attitudes of these religious leaders, and we can be warned against having such. So Jesus leaves the temple. And on his way out, he passes by a man who was blind, blind since birth. Look at John 9, verse 1. Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. We find out much later that this man was blind from birth, but John writes it here as kind of like an afterthought because Jesus knew the man had been blind since birth. Now the disciples might not have known this until later on, but Jesus knew, and beggars... Blind people, people with maladies, sick people hanging around the temple is nothing new in this culture. Many, many people who were afflicted either got up every morning and were carried to the temple or they made their way to the temple and they stood outside the temple begging. This is the way some of them got by. This is what they did. You remember that beautiful, beautiful scene in Acts 3 when Peter and John go to the temple, the gate beautiful, and there's that lame man there? That beautiful scene there. Well, this happens all the time. I wonder how many people walk by this blind man. How many people over the years that he's been there have walked right by him, never paying him any mind, any attention? How many people just walk right by him? How many footsteps did this man hear as they walked by? How many even said, God bless you, my friend? Or how many even said, I'll pray for you? How many walked right by this guy and never even took the time to look at his malady? How many? How do you react when you see someone who's challenged? How do you react when you see someone who is challenged, whether mentally or physically? How do you react? Many of us look the other way. Many of us get a weird feeling like we can't talk to the person, like we can't express ourselves to the person. We get this weird feeling about them, and therefore we avoid them. Now, Jesus didn't walk up to the blind man and start screaming. The man was blind, not deaf. But we act differently when we see these type of people. We act differently. We become awkward around them, and we usually end up passing them by. And this is the natural man. This is the natural response that we have. We see and we avoid. But we're born again. And if you are born again, you're not natural anymore. Remember, we're a peculiar people. Why are we peculiar? Because we follow Jesus Christ. We've had the Spirit of Christ in our hearts, and we've been seen and touched in our own brokenness by a loving and gracious Savior. Shouldn't we have this same attitude? But how many of us walk by and don't want to be a part of a person who is suffering with a malady of some sort? Regardless of what it is, we just don't want a part of it. So Jesus stops. Now, I'm sure the blind man was aware of his presence. I'm sure the blind man was aware of someone was standing in front of him or beside him. And he probably wondered, what is this guy going to do? What does he want? And as we continue, the disciples, well, the disciples put on their police badge, 
And they hit the, hit the town running. Listen to what they say. Number two. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, what, first thing that hit me when I studied this is the man's standing right there. And they blurt this out. Pastor, who sinned? Rabbi, who sinned? <laughs> Remember, the apostles didn't show a lot of tact. They didn't have a lot of tact until after Pentecost. They didn't have a lot of tact. So they asked him, who sinned? Who sinned? Man, whose fault was it? Was it his parents? Was it him? Was it some kind of punishment that God was inflicting upon them because of their parents? Is this man suffering because some sinned? Now, you have to understand the Jewish mindset. See, when you read scriptures, you've got to remember context, 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 but you also have to remember when it was written and in the context it was written. The Jews believed that you could sin in the womb. The Jews also believed in reincarnation. And they also believed that you could be punished for future sins, sins that would happen in the future. They also believed that you could be punished for sins that happened in a few other life because of reincarnation. So did this man commit a sin? And now God's dealing out his punishment? The disciples wanted to know. Inquiring minds want to know. They wanted to know what was going on with this guy. They became police officers. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? It's really interesting to me that Jesus and the disciples saw the same guy, and they had different reactions to them. Have you ever been with somebody, and you meet someone, and you both have different reactions to the person? Kind of interesting, isn't it, how you have different reactions to a person's demeanor, what they say, those kind of things. And sometimes it's based on whether you have prior knowledge of the person, you know, the whole schmear. But I think that's interesting. So they both see the same guy, but yet they see something completely different. If we want to be a Jesus person, and I don't want to question anybody's heart here. I believe you're all here because you want to be a Jesus person. If you want to be a Jesus person, we need to see people, really see people who have disabilities. We need to look at them as people, not as a product of what has happened to them, but as a person. And we need to see them, we need to move towards them, and allow God to speak through our hearts. Because they are people and need Christ and Jesus just like we do. They need him, and they need the comfort of him. See, the disciples were thinking cause. Cause and effect. Jesus was thinking purpose. Jesus was thinking purpose. Look, his answer to them is a very simple in verse 3a. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, period. In other words, this man's blindness was not a punishment for some sin. If you could, you don't have to do it right now, but think about it. Why is it when things go wrong in our lives, when we face some sort of tragedy that we always seek to blame God. Even atheists who don't believe in God, when something goes wrong, they blame God. Scratch your head on that one. You don't believe in him, but you're blaming him. Okay. 2006, November, about four of us from this area, including the, 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 the pastor of this church, Bob Lambert, we all went down to New Orleans after Katrina. And we went down there. And as we walked the streets, you would be amazed at how many people we came in contact with, how many people we talked to that said, the hurricane came here because of the sin of the city. The hurricane came here because our murder rate is this high. That's why they came here. Whoa, they believe that. 
They believe that. Jesus says, neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned. We talked about the woman caught in adultery. Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus said, I come to seek and save that which is lost. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through the world, the world through him might be saved. And then there's the story of a guy in the Bible right before the book of Psalms, a guy with a three-letter name who nobody wants to read, Job. Oh. Read the book of Job. Oh, no, I can't. I'll go, oh, my gosh. Job. You know all about the book of Job. Here was a man who was stripped of everything, stripped of all his wealth, stripped, stripped of all his health, his family, and he had a couple friends. Well, these friends, Mo, Larry, and Curly, they were his friends. And they tried to comfort him. Well, they tried to comfort him by telling him he was hiding some horrible sin. Oh, well, you're a sinner and you're hiding sin. But this isn't true, and I can prove it's not true. Because in the very first chapter of the book of Job, we see Satan wandering around the throne room of God. And God says to Satan, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And listen to what he says about him. Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So you can't blame Job for what happened. You can't blame God for what happened. These men wouldn't be moved from their position, and Job ends up calling them miserable counselors, which is okay because they call him a liar because they know he's denying some horrible sin. Why do we always look for a reason for human suffering, for human suffering? Why are we being punished by God? Now, we need to clear up a few things. There are certain activities that carry with them natural, inevitable problems. But get your eyes off that problem and look to a God in all his vast love towards you who has sought to warn you about these things would happen through his word. We have God's word here, which is a warning to us, which is a warning. God knows the pain that going in certain activities will bring you. And like a good, good father, he wants to warn his children, stay away from such. Stay away from these things. For example, many of you have children or will have children. There are light sockets in every room. You teach your child not to put their finger in the light socket. That's one of the things that you teach them. If you put your finger in the light socket, you'll get a shock. That's one of the things you teach. If the child decides to place his finger in the light socket after you have warned him, are you to blame? Is God to blame? Well, no. God will not always tell us the consequences of certain actions, but he does warn us. He told Adam and Eve about the consequences, didn't he? If you eat of that tree, you'll die. You eat of that, those are consequences. Now, when they ate, could they blame God? Well, God, if you hadn't put that tree in the middle of the garden, we'd have never ate it. What? God warned you about it. He told you not to eat. So the big question that these people want to know, inquiring minds, why was this man born blind? What purpose did it serve for this man to be born blind? And in verse 3b, Jesus said, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Ah, Jesus, the whole verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. According to Jesus, this man was born blind for a specific purpose, that the works of God would be revealed. In other words, this blindness, this specific suffering is not owning to a specific sin, either his parents nor the man. In other words, don't look for the explanation. 
The explanation of the blindness lies not in the past causes, but it lies in the future purposes. Not in the causes, but the purposes. God has an eternal purpose for allowing this man to be born blind. His blindness will allow Jesus to manifest the work to God. God is working out an eternal purpose in all our lives, even in the midst of tragedy. And sometimes I think he works best in the midst of tragedy. God is working out eternal purposes, even in the midst of trafficking. If it wasn't, we'd have to rip out of the Bible, Romans 8, 28. What does it say? Say it to yourself. Don't say it to me. I'm going to read it to you. It says, and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. And what a great verse. What a fantastic verse. It has helped me over and over and over again in my life. Now, as I told you, you're not always going to understand the circumstances. God has never asked you to understand the circumstances that befall you. He's only asked you to do one thing, and that is to believe. Have faith in the midst of the circumstances that God knows what he's doing. He's God, and we're not. My favorite, one of my favorite shows is Rudy. And Rudy couldn't get into the University of Notre Dame. And finally, he goes to the priest and says, why is God not allowing me to go to Notre Dame? I keep applying, I keep doing this. And he looked at him and he said, clearly, he said, in all my years of, of ministry, I've learned one thing. He's God, and I'm not. What a great thing to learn. What a really great thing to learn. He's God, and we're not. We're not going to know everything that he does. We're not going to understand everything he does, but we need to believe that he has a purpose for doing the things he does. I can't tell you why the Lord decided to take my son. I can't tell you that. I don't know it. I have no knowledge of that, but I believe he's a good, good father. So I fall back on what I do know, the foundation of love that is in Jesus Christ. I fall back on God's love. I fall back on that. And I rest assured in that. I know that God's loved me. Not only because the Bible says so, but my heart tells me that he loves me. I know he's loved. You can't convince me that he doesn't. I understand that he's wiser than I. I understand that his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. I understand that. And I understand he's in control of every circumstance, whether good or bad, that surround my life. I understand that. But I don't know why God has allowed it to happen to me. But I do know that it couldn't happen unless God allowed it to happen. And that God loves me and he's working out the best for me through it. Thus, I can be comfortable and rest in an extremely uncomfortable place. When God has you in an uncomfortable place, you can rest and be assured that God knows what he's doing. God is in control. Many of you know my history of flying. Not good. David, no like flying. Mm -mm. No, no way. I told, I told first service, when I get off the plane, they have to change the seat because engraved in the armchairs are like, arr, arr, arr. my fingerprints. I don't like to fly. I hate to get on the plane. I hate the taxi. I hate to take off. I hate to be in the air, and I hate to land. I love to get off the plane. That's fun. We're in Orlando, and we're going back, coming back to New Jersey after being at a pastor's conference in Merritt Island back in the 90s. We're there, right? We're coming back. And I'm starting my pacing. I'm sweaty. I'm getting all upset because I'm going to fly. You are Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.